Hey, y'all. In today's podcast, we are going to continue through the book of Ezekiel. And we left off with God holding us accountable for our own choices, our own sins, and our own hearts. And we each have a choice that we get to make. We have free will to choose whether or not we believe in Jesus as our Savior. And if we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sins are taken care of and we're forgiven and we're free. And we have faith in Jesus. And if you have true faith in Jesus, your heart, mind, and soul all desire God and continue to long for him and to know him more. And your actions and your life will reflect that in your lives. True faith is reflected in who we are and how we live. And we can turn away from sin and turn to God, or we can turn away from God and turn to sin. And where our hearts are at, at any given moment, that's what God sees. That's what he holds us accountable for. And if you once believed in Jesus and then turned and worship Satan, your previous belief in Jesus isn't going to save you. Just like if you were once tied down by sin and following the world and then repent and turn to Jesus, your previous life doesn't hold you back from God. You are God's. You belong to Jesus. There's power in the cross. There's power in Christ and there's power in God's word. And if you believe in that, if your life reflects that you are God's, you are a child of God and nothing can take that from you. In chapter 19, it continues um, a little backdrop um, before we head into chapter 19. So Israel is receiving these warnings and um, there's there's the kings and in the first half of chapter 19, it's referring to Jehoahaz, the king who was the first cup they're speaking of here. And Jeremiah told the kings of Judah to surrender to King Nebuchadnezzar because he was going to he was chosen by God to chat to bring judgment onto Israel. He was the chosen king that was going to conquer Jerusalem and take down the temple and flatten the city, basically. And he takes Jerusalem and Israel completely into exile and captivity. And um, and then the second one, Zedekiah, he sat out Egypt as an ally instead of trusting God as his savior and, and redeemer and protection. And he, instead of causing protection by, by selling out to Egypt, he ended up causing the destruction of Jerusalem and the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem and the takeover of Babylon that, that did happen. And Jehoahaz, he ended up in Egypt and he was taken in by uh, Pharaoh Nego took him captive in Egypt and he only reigned three months and he ended up dying in Egypt. And Jehoiakim, the second king that spoke of, he was also only king for three months and 10 days. He had a three month and 10 day reign before King Nebuchadnezzar came in and took him into Babylon and he ended up dying there in exile. So this is a funeral song for these, these kings of of Judah. And Zedekiah was the last king of Judah that's spoken of last. And he was taken into exile and he broke the treaty with Babylon, rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. And he 
ended up dying in captivity as well. He lost the throne. He lost everything and ended up dying in captivity under King Nebs. And these things happened because of their sin. Remember, it happened because of the rebellion, because they refused to submit to God and turn from their sin and turn from their evil choices. Let's go ahead and move into the funeral song for Israel's kings in chapter 19, verse 1. Sing this funeral song for the princes of Israel. What is your mother, a lioness among lions? She lay down among the young lions and reared her cubs. The lioness he speaks of is speaking of of Israel and the tribe of Judah. She raised one of her cubs to become a strong young lion. He learned to hunt and devour prey and became a man-eater. Then the nations heard about him, and he was trapped in their pit. They led him away with hooks to the land of Egypt. So this is King Jehoahaz, who was brought over into Egypt and died in exile. In verse 5, it continues, When the lioness saw that her hopes for him were gone, she took another of her cubs and taught him to be a strong lion. He prowled among the other lions and stood out among them in his strength. He learned to hunt and devour prey, and he too became a man-eater. He demolished fortresses and destroyed their towns and cities. Their farms were desolated and their crops were destroyed. The land and its people trembled in fear when they heard him roar. Then the armies of the nations attacked him, surrounding him from every direction. They threw a net over him and captured him in their pit. With hooks, they dragged him into a cage and brought him before the king of Babylon. They held him in captivity, so his voice could never again be heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge. It had lush green foliage because of the abundant water. Its branches became strong, strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. It grew very tall, towering above all others. It stood out because of its height and its many lush branches. But the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind dried up its fruit and tore off its strong branches, so it withered and was destroyed by fire. Now the vine is transplanted to the wilderness, where the ground is hard and dry. A fire has burst out from its branches and devoured its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. This is a funeral song, and it will be used in a funeral. So he sings out this song of of the final strong branch. The final kings are taken, and Jerusalem is taken over and demolished and burned, and the temple is destroyed. If Israel would have obeyed God, like they promised they would in the covenant that they agreed to and willingly went into with God, they would have been God's mighty lion, and they would have been God's fruitful vine, and they would have brought glory to God, and they would have been a light for all the nations and all the Gentiles and all the people to see God through them. But they didn't. They ended up in exile. They ended up in rebellion. They ended up in sin. And they ended up punished for it. And they ended up feeling the wrath of God's abandonment and the wrath of God's judgment as a result of their choices. In chapter 20, it continues. On August 14th, during the seventh year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, some of the leaders of Israel came to request a message from the Lord. They sat down in front of me to wait for his reply. Again, this is about 591 BC, and these leaders are trying to look good. They're not sincere. They're playing the religious part, and they're trying to look sovereign and mighty in front of their their people. And in two, it continues. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, tell the leaders of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
How dare you come and ask me for a message? As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will tell you nothing. And that means never because God lives forever. He's eternal. So he says, I will never tell you anything. And they call he calls him son of man, which is a foreshadow of Christ. This is what Christ is going to do. And this foreshadows Christ. He is not Christ, but it's a foreshadow of what Christ is coming and is going to do. In verse 4, Son of man, bring charges against them and condemn them. Make them realize how detestable the sins of their ancestors really were. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. When I chose Israel, when I revealed myself to the descendants of Jacob in Egypt, I took a solemn oath that I, the Lord, would be their God. I took a solemn oath that day that I would bring them out of Egypt to a land that I discovered and explored for them. A good land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the best of all lands anywhere. Then I said to them, each of you, get rid of the vile images you are so obsessed with. Do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. So he's like, they had they had no right to ask God for instruction because their hearts were not right with God. They had not repented. They had not submitted to God. They had not done anything that God had asked them to do. And both kings thought they were great and they did their own thing and relied on themselves instead of God and they ignored God's word and they when the Israelites entered Egypt there was there was 66 plus Joseph's family so there was there was 70 that came to Egypt and then God multiplied them and they became 600,000 strong fighting men as well as their families so over 2 million people, they, God multiplied them even in Egypt, even in, in exile. And he goes through history here um, because it was a vast early warning system. But the only thing that they seem to be learning is that they don't learn from history. The only thing they're learning from history is that they don't learn from history. We We should learn from the mistakes that were going on to make it and to make the vine that God wants us to make, but we keep repeating and we still do that to this day. In verse eight, it continues, but they rebelled against me and would not listen. They did not get rid of the vile images they were obsessed with or forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I threatened to pour out my fury on them to satisfy my anger while they were still in Egypt, but I didn't do it for I acted to protect the honor of my name. I would not allow shame to be brought on my name among the surrounding nations who saw me to reveal myself by bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. So I brought them out of Egypt and led them into the wilderness where there I gave them my decrees and regulations so they could find life by keeping them. And I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who set them apart as being holy. So he's reminding the elders of how they got where they're at today. Whatever the Lord does, he does it for his glory. So his people can experience joy through him. And he, we don't have to worry about God can handle his own reputation. God can, can protect his own reputation. In verse 13, but the people of Israel rebelled against me and they refused to obey my decrees there in the wilderness. They wouldn't obey my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life. They also violated my Sabbath days. So I threatened to pour out my fury on them and I made plans to utterly consume them in the wilderness. But again, I held back in order to protect the honor of my name before the nations who had seen my power in bringing Israel out of Egypt. 
But I took a solemn oath against them in the wilderness. I swore I would not bring them into the land I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful place on earth. For they had rejected my regulations, refused to follow my decrees, and violated my Sabbath days. Their hearts were given to to their idols. Nevertheless, I took pity on them and held back from destroying them in the wilderness. So we went from Egypt to the wilderness. In verse 18, it continues. Oh, and we were at Sinai too. Sorry. Then I warned their children not to follow in their parents' footsteps, defiling themselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God, I told them. Follow my decrees, pay attention to my regulations, and keep my Sabbath days holy. For they are a sign to remind you that I am the Lord your God. But their children too rebelled against me. They refused to keep my decrees and follow my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life. And they also violated my Sabbath days. So again, I threatened to pour out my fury on them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my judgment against them to protect the honor of my name before the nations that had seen my power in bringing them out of Egypt. So he's like, we're supposed to learn from God, not our ancestors. He gives us tons of choices, but they keep choosing rebellion and sin. He gives us a choice to stop the cycle. He gives us a choice to choose him, to choose Jesus, to be free. In verse 23, it continues, But I took a solemn oath against them in the wilderness. I swore I would scatter them among all the nations, because they did not obey my regulations. They scorned my decrees by violating my Sabbath days and longing for the idols of their ancestors. I gave them over to worthless decree. I gave them over to worthless decrees and regulations that would not lead them to life. I let them pollute themselves with the very gifts I had given them, and I allowed them to give their firstborn children as offerings to their gods, so I might devastate them and remind them that I, the Lord, am God. So they were scattered because of their rebellion and their sin, and they were worshiping false idols instead of God, and they refused to turn. So he said, fine, go, have your idols, have your false gods. And now we move into when Israel entered into the promised land. In verse 27, Therefore, son of man, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. Your ancestors continued to blaspheme and betray me. For when I brought them into the land I had promised them, they sacrificed on every high hill and under every green tree they saw. They roused my fury as they offered sacrifices to their gods. They brought their perfumes and incense and poured out their liquid offerings to them. I said to them, What is this high place where you are going? This kind of pagan shrine has been called Mama, high place ever since. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the Sovereign Lord. Do you plan to pollute yourselves just as your ancestors did? Do you intend to keep prostituting yourselves by worshiping vile images? For when you offer gifts to them and give your little children to be burned as sacrifices, you continue to pollute yourselves with idols to this day. Should I allow you to ask for a message from me, O people of Israel? As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will tell you nothing. You say, we want to be like the nations all around us, who serve idols of wood and stone. But what have you, what you have in mind will never happen. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist in great anger and with awesome power. And in anger, I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm. And I will bring you back from the lands where you were scattered. I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations, and there I will judge you face to face. I will judge you there, just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the Sovereign Lord. 
I will examine you and carefully hold you to the terms of our covenant. I will purge you out of those who rebel and revolt me. I will bring them out of the countries where they are in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. As for you, O people of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Go right ahead and worship your idols, but sooner or later you will obey me and stop bringing shame on my holy name by worshiping idols. For on my holy mountain, the great mountain of Israel, says the Sovereign Lord, the people of Israel will someday worship me, and will accept, and I will accept them. There I will require that you bring me all your offerings and choice gifts and sacrifices. When I bring you home from exile, you'll be like a pleasing sacrifice to me, and I will display my holiness through you as all the nations watch. Then I will have brought you home to the land I promised with a solemn oath to give to your ancestors. You will know that I am the Lord. You will look back on all the ways you defiled yourselves and will hate yourselves because of the evil you have done. You will know that I am the Lord, O people of Israel. When I have honored my name by treating you mercifully in spite of your wickedness, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. And he does just this through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He brings Jesus as their Savior, Redeemer. And the scattering and the gathering, it leads to a pleasing aroma of God. It leads to Jesus. It leads to repentance. It leads to to the return of them turning back. And he speaks of the Messiah coming, the return, the future kingdom, when all the nations are gathered and we'll see that God is God. And the new David will arrive and no one will be able to avoid it. And there will be a renewing of spirit. And God's people will return to the land and be gathered. And there's a future kingdom through Christ's return. Individuals will also come and those who rebelled against God will not enter into his kingdom. Those who embrace God and accept Jesus as their Lord and savior and receive that new tender, renewed, restored heart, they will enter God's kingdom. And there's going to be one day where everyone will know that God is God and God is the Lord and God is sovereign and that day is coming and we when we accept Jesus we are going to enter into his kingdom for all eternity and we are seen as righteous we are seen forgiven but no one without the renewing of the spirit through Jesus and through his spirit in salvation will be able to have a part in the messianic kingdom they won't they won't be able to be there they're going to have to suffer in judgment and the consequences of their sin instead In verse 45, it continues, Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, turn and face the south and speak out against it. Prophesy against the brushlands of the Negev, and Negev refers to desert. Tell the southern wilderness, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Hear the word of the Lord. I will set you on fire, and every tree, both green and dry, will be burned. The terrible flames will not be quenched, and I will scorch everything from south to north. And everyone in the world will see that I, the Lord, have set this fire. I will not be put out, or it will not be put out. Then I said, O Sovereign Lord, they are saying of me, he only talks in riddles. And regardless, Ezekiel keeps bringing the word. He keeps being obedient. He keeps speaking of God's word and brings it forth in radical obedience. And these are hard words, but there's a ray of hope. There's mercy. He says, I'm going to treat you 
merciful in spite of your wickedness through Jesus. We don't deserve the forgiveness of Jesus, but he gives it to us anyway so that we can be seen as righteous, so that we can be saved, so we can be restored, and so we can be a part of his messianic, holy, eternal kingdom for all of our days. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.